Chapter 12, Strawberry's Adventure. Diggory kept his mouth very tight shut. He had been growing more and more uncomfortable. He hoped that whatever happened, he wouldn't blub or do anything ridiculous. Son of Adam, said Aslan, are you ready to undo the wrong that you have done to my sweet country of Narnia on the very day of its birth? Well, I don't see what I can do, said Diggory. You see, the queen ran away, and I asked, Are you ready? said the lion. Yes, said Diggory. I'm Bethy, and this is Katie. Welcome to For Narnia and For Aslan. Katie's friends have been introducing her to the show Avatar, The Last Airbender, and she completely loves it. (laughs) Bethy is going backpacking in the Smoky Mountains this weekend and is really looking forward to it. We love Narnia, and we're excited to talk about it with each other and with you. And the joyful music that you've just heard is Dawn by Salt of the Sound. This week, we have a couple of announcements. We want to remind you again to follow us on Facebook. And also, if you want to be in touch or share your thoughts about anything from the podcast or the book, we have an email for narniapodcast at gmail.com. We've been hearing a lot of our voice, and we would love to hear what you have to say. But let's jump into the chapter. We've each written a recap for the week. This was such a hard week for me. I feel like there was a ton that happened, and I didn't know what to let go of and what to put in. So I'm excited to hear what you put. Well, my recap says, Aslan commissions Diggory to go on a vast journey through mountains and cliffs and waterfalls to fetch an apple that will keep the witch away for a time. But for this journey, Aslan provides Diggory with good help. He makes Strawberry a winged horse to carry Polly and Diggory as they begin their journey. Beautiful recap. But as I look at it again now, all of that happens in the first part of the chapter and doesn't actually cover any of the journey. So maybe it was kind of a hard... Yeah. Yeah. The beginning is just really full. Mm -hmm. So my recap says, Aslan grieves with Diggory, asks him to be part of healing Narnia, and gives Strawberry wings and a new name. Then Diggory, Polly, and Fledge go in search of a certain far-off hill and face challenges of hunger, fatigue, and fear. Yeah, so the beginning of this chapter is all kind of like really close shot of Diggory talking with Aslan, and then Strawberry becoming Fledge. And then the second half of the chapter is in a really different setting. They're flying across Narnia and beyond and adventuring. Yeah, it feels really different and lighthearted. And it's kind of epic, and as with all epic things in Lewis, very small and sweet and human, too. (laughs) Normal. (laughs) He does capture the perfect balance between those two things. Mm -hmm. For example, for dinner, Fledge has a lovely meal when they finally land after a full day of flying. uh, A full, wonderful meal of grass. And the children are dismayed because they have no dinner packed at all. (laughs) And Diggory says, Well, I do think someone might have arranged about our meal. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a good English boy thing to say. He's always had his meals provided there in front of him. And I I really actually love the way that Fledge responds. He says that Aslan probably would have if he would have asked him. Hmm. And Polly's like, well, why should we have asked? And Fledge said, I get the feeling that he likes to be asked. I thought that was a little heavy handed because they just didn't think of it. They're only like 12 years old. That's true. Yeah, it was a big thing to ask for them to remember that kind of thing. But also, it just made me think of the Lord's Prayer 
Mm. And how, like, of course God wants to give us our daily mm. bread. Mm. But it's nice to be asked. <laughs> yes, true. <laughs> that is good. It's just such a humble thing to ask. Like, obviously, God knows that we need to eat. And God knows all of the sparrows and their needs, too. But we can ask, and so maybe we should. Yes, that's good. Fortunately, it turns out better than it could have because Polly has a bag of toffee in her pocket. And I love this part about how they have to peel the paper off the toffee. You could just picture it. And then they decide, it's so fun, they decide to bury the last piece of toffee and see if it will grow into a toffee tree. Yeah, I wanted to turn the page and see what happened to the tree. So I know, bad. I know, I know. It's coming next week. <laughs> I think the best line of that section is when it says, some grown-ups, you know how fussy they can be about these sort of things, would rather have gone without supper altogether than eaten those toffees. <laughs> and then it just says, there were nine of them all told, and they split them up. <laughs> like, they have no such qualms. <laughs> no. It's, again, a lovely comparison between children and grown-ups. Mm-hmm. Yes. Different approaches to the world. Another thing that I noticed is that near the end of this chapter, Fledge says, by Aslan. It is something. Huh. Fletch has not known Aslan for very long, but he already uses his name as something strong. I don't really know how to put it. It's, it's not like he's swearing by Aslan, right. but it's an important enough name that it ought to be mentioned in big moments. Yes, you're right. And I think the other animals have been the same way too, speaking about Aslan so familiarly and with complete reverence and like he is he is in their world yeah it's the heart of it i liked in this chapter once we got into the adventure section we got to see again a little bit about polly and diggory and their characters just to enjoy being with them and it was the moment when they're flying very high up and passing out of the bounds of narnia and they look back and see the whole valley of narnia stretched out and diggory says i wish we had someone to tell us what all those places are and polly says i don't suppose they're anywhere yet the world only began today and diggory is excited because he says no people will get there and then they'll have histories and polly says thank goodness they don't yet because nobody can be made to learn it battles and dates and all that rot just diggory's inquisitive nature it sometimes gets him into trouble but it's so wonderful too it's who he is well and i love to think of diggory as the professor later on mm-hmm. and he does get to learn a little bit of history because the children the pevensey children come back Yes, And they tell him some history of this place that he wants to know so much about. Oh, wow. Yes, you're right. He gets to hear all about it. Yes. (laughs) And Polly isn't forced to learn any of it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank goodness. (laughs) Mm -hmm. She's got gumption. She does. But it goes in a different direction. The description of the Narnian land is really beautiful. It says, all Narnia, many colored with lawns and rocks and heather and different sorts of trees, lay spread out below them, the river winding through it like a ribbon of quicksilver. They could already see over the tops of the low hills, which lay northward on their right. Beyond those hills, a great moorland sloped gently up and up into the horizon. On their left, the mountains were much higher, but every now and then there was a gap, and you could see between steep pine woods a glimpse of the southern lands that lay beyond them, looking blue and far away. Mm. So beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it was a fun section to hear and think about the other books and when we get to explore some of these other places. 
Yeah, it felt like a little peek into the beginning of a history that we already know. But I'm so excited that we get to dive into that history doing this podcast and mm-hmm. just really get to know those lands again. It's so interesting too here, right after that part you just read, Polly says, that'll be where Arkenland is. And that's just interesting that these lands all exist as themselves from the beginning. It's not like they have to go become named and developed. And I don't know, like the world's created with kind of intent for all what these places will be. It didn't have to be how it was. Yeah, it's already a whole land. It's legitimate even before it has a history. I like that. One last thing before we dive into our sacred reading that I wanted to point out. Hmm. is this really beautiful interaction between Strawberry and Aslan, and eventually Fledge and Aslan. Yes. Where Aslan says, my dear, would you like to be a winged horse? Mm-hmm. And it just is so sweet that he even asks him and gives him the option. And later on, when Strawberry says, of course, yes, <laughs> yes. he tries it out and Aslan says, is it good, Fledge? It is very good, Aslan, said Fledge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And he just wanted to make sure, wanted to check in. I just, I think it's so sweet mm-hmm. how much Aslan considers Strawberry's feelings. Yes. And Strawberry's response is just awesome, too. You should have seen how the horse shook its mane and how its nostrils widened. A little tap it gave on the ground with one back hoof. Clearly, it would very much like to be a winged horse. <laughs> and he, he sort of stammers, if you wish. I mean, I don't know why it should be me. I'm not a very clever horse. But then Aslan just says, be winged. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so great. It's perfect, yeah. Oh, and Fledge's comment. (laughs) So Queen Helen and Polly have become friends. And Queen Helen lets them know that Polly would like to come on the adventure too. And again, Aslan asks, what does Fledge say about that? But Fledge's response is so great. I don't mind too, not when they're little ones. But I hope the elephant doesn't want to come as well. And then the elephant's like, no, I'm okay. The elephant had no such wish. <laughs> uh, what yeah, a great it's adventure. It's a really sweet section. Which is wonderful because we're coming out of a pretty solemn section. And this adventure yeah. had seemed really daunting at first. Mm-hmm. And because Aslan provides Fledge to carry them, it actually isn't daunting. It's pretty joyful. Mm-hmm. But Degree doesn't know that when he first signs up for it. Yeah, once he gets on Fledge's back and says, oh, this is fun, it just is really encouraging. (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, let's dive into our sacred reading today, and this is one that we haven't done before. I don't actually have a name for it. It's one that I made up for my youth group kids, but Mm. I call it Write It As I Say It. That's a good name. The cool thing about this practice is I'm going to be reading a section to you and you are going to use paper and pen to just write out as much of this as you possibly can as I'm reading it. Okay. And you're not going to be trying to keep up with me necessarily. You're just going to be trying to write everything that you think is important. Like taking notes in school? Kind of, yeah. And in this way, it's going to highlight what automatically stands out to you and what is most important. Okay, cool. Yeah. So it's kind of a challenge on your part because my job is easy. I'm (laughs) I'm just going to read it two times. At normal speed. Yeah, I'm just going to read it at normal speed and you're going to feverishly write as quickly as you can and we'll see what happens. Okay, and you're reading it twice, so I get to fill in some things the second time through, maybe. Yes, but what I would like for you to do is write it in the order that it comes to your pen. Don't leave spaces to, like, fill in. Okay, yes. Okay. So things might come in a funny order, but Hmm. I'm just interested to see what happens. 
Okay, cool. I'm ready. I have a pencil and paper and I'll set down my mic. Perfect. So the section that I'm reading is early on in the chapter. It is, I think, one of the most beautiful Aslan moments that we have in the whole Narnia series. What he saw surprised him as much as anything in his whole life. For the tawny face was bent down near his own, and wonder of wonders, great shining tears stood on the lion's eyes. They were such big, bright tears compared with Diggory's own that for a moment he felt as if the lion must really be sorrier about his mother than he was himself. My son, my son, said Aslan, I know. Grief is great. Only you and I in this land know that yet. Let us be good to one another. And again, what he saw surprised him as much as anything in his whole life. For the tawny face was bent down near his own, and wonder of wonders, great shining tears stood in the lion's eyes. They were such big, bright tears compared with Diggory's own, that for a moment it felt as if the lion must really be sorrier about his mother than he was himself. My son, my son, said Aslan. I know. Grief is great. Only you and I in this land know that yet. Let us be good to one another. Pencil down. (laughs) 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 This didn't improve my handwriting. Oh, that's okay. (laughs) What'd you get? Should I just read in the order that it is? (laughs) Yes, please. Okay. Well, I wrote, surprised, whole life, bent down, wonder, great tears, shining, bright, really sorrier than he, my son, I know, grief is great, only you and I, let us be good to one another. And then on the second read through, whole life, tawny face near his own, stood in, big, compared, sorrier about his mother, I know, only know that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It feels kind of like a poem. It does. Mm Mm-hmm. What did you notice differently about this passage as you were trying to write it rather than read it? Well, I chose some of the lines about their faces right next to each other. That felt really important. Bent down or tawny face near his own. Yeah. I really wanted to put grief is great and only you and I Mm -hmm. and let us be good to one another. Yes. That is such a beautiful line. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. What a thing. For the creator to say, only you and I know this yet. Let us be good to one another. Mm. I know how your grief is. Let's be good to each other. Mm. I wonder, what does it mean to be good to God? It's like a solemn kind of friendship that Mm. God knows grief and we know grief. So we should not put ourselves at odds with one another. Pain is the enemy and we'll, I don't know, be quiet together be understanding. What, I don't know. What do you think it means to be good to God? Well, I think when it comes to feeling grief, I think one of the possible answers is that we can't experience grief and assume that we're alone in it mm. and that God is not invited into it mm. and blame God rather than mm. saying like, you're in this with me and I'm sad. Yeah. Like if somebody we knew like grieving and we lashed out in anger, which sometimes happens in grief against them, that wouldn't be as fitting as as sitting together and crying. 
Yeah, and so if we can sit and cry with our friend, and that is the right good response, we can do the same with God. There's quite a line even just to say only you and I know that in this land. Well, of course, nobody else besides Diggory does. Not even Polly does. Mm -hmm. But to say that Aslan already does, it's true. But I don't know. It surprised me sort of. He's not naive like this land is, even naive in a good way, even though he loves how it is and its innocence and is keeping that right now. Yeah. Even though the land is new, Aslan is not new. Not new. Yes. I thought that this section was really wonderful when it happened because, or the way it happened, because first we get that part that we read at the very beginning of this episode, son of Adam, are you ready to undo the wrong? And Diggory has to say yes. And there's this line, it says he had for a second some wild idea of saying, I'll try to help you if you'll promise to help about my mother. But he realized in time that the line was not at all the sort of person one could try to make bargains with. But when he had said yes, he thought of his mother and thought of the great hopes he had had and how they were all dying away. And he, he almost starts crying and he bursts out, can't you please give me something that will cure mother? Mm. It said he'd been looking at the huge claws until now, but then he looks up and, and we see these tears. And Aslan says, I know. He thought about trying to manipulate Aslan into trying to help him, but realizes he can't. But it's in that very moment of almost despair or certainly loss that Aslan meets him recognizing the pain and the hurt and the need. And he never actually says in this section what he's going to do about his mother. After That's he says, true. let us be good to one another, he says, but I have to think of hundreds of years in the life of Narnia and gives instructions. Yeah, Degree has never promised anything. Except that Aslan grieves with him. Yeah. Well, from this point, Aslan begins commissioning Diggory, and I like how he's doing it. He says, what do you see as you look west? And Diggory gives a wonderful description of all the things that he sees. The lion has to say, you see well, <laughs> which is which is what Diggory's so good at. <laughs> yeah, he is very good at observing. Mm-hmm. And then... Aslan says, after looking across all these layers and layers of mountains beyond mountains, Diggory, you need to travel over there and get an apple from that tree and bring it back to me. <laughs> and Diggory says, yes, sir. Although he hadn't the least idea of how easy it was to climb the cliff and find his way. <laughs> he, says yes. he says, yes. Although he says, I hope you're not in a hurry. <laughs> <laughs> and it's after he says, yes. The Aslan says, you shall have help. And he makes Fledge into a winged horse. And it turns out that it's going to be fun after all. <laughs> um, such perfect pacing. Mm -hmm. Why do you think Aslan didn't promise him ahead of time that Fledge would help him get there? Why did he have to say yes first? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it feels really, really important. But I don't know why. It was the same at the beginning. Are you ready to undo the wrong? And Diggory says, well, I don't see what I can do. I asked, are you ready? <laughs> yes. It feels very similar to Moses. Mm. How so? Well, Moses was given help with his brother Aaron and his sister Miriam, mm. but not until he said yes. Mm -hmm. And all the disciples, really, Jesus says, follow me. And they have no idea what this is going to mean for their life. They don't even really know what it's going to mean for the next couple years. I guess that's how life is. <laughs> we don't get to see where it's headed yeah. and we don't get to see where it's headed when we sign up with Jesus. Maybe we'd be overwhelmed if we knew. I am sure that I would be. Even things that have happened already, I wouldn't have said yes to in advance. <laughs> and then they turned out <laughs> to be a good adventure. Yeah. 
But I also wonder if Aslan had said, okay, here's how it's going to be. Are you ready to go fly on a winged horse to this place? Get this apple. It'll just take you a little while. Diggory would have been signing up for something based on feeling like he could do it, based on kind of evaluating what his capacity was and whether that fit within his wishes and, you know, what he was willing to take on. And what Aslan wants, yeah, is just, are you going to do what I tell you I'm calling you to do? Leave it to me to take care of it. Yeah. Which I feel like actually is a better setup for success because if we judge, oh yeah, I think that's within my capacity to do. We're probably wrong. (laughs) That's true. And then feel like the moment it feels beyond our capacity, oh, okay, I guess I'm out. This isn't what I signed up for. It's in those moments where we feel like completely overwhelmed and beyond our capacity that the most wonderful things happen. Yeah. We're not very good judges of what's possible and especially what's possible. Especially when it comes to God. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this same passage was in my mind as I chose our scripture reading for today. Aslan calling Diggory to something and Diggory doesn't yet know how it's going to be possible or what it even will entail, but he does trust Aslan. And especially once Aslan shares his grief, there's a connection. There's a reason to trust. Aslan, I guess, loves him. And so that's that's enough for Diggory to go on. And the scripture that I want to read is from Ephesians 3, verse 17 through 19. This was one of my memory verses at camp back in the day, which means it comes to mind pretty often, which is great because it's a really good one. And it's about this love that grounds our action. Paul's writing to this church. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp the breadth and length and height and depth of this love, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled to the measure with all the fullness of God. I love that passage been thinking about this a lot this week. Love. For some reason, it's hard for me, maybe for some others too, to really believe in God's love for me. And this is, you know, a long-term journey of learning it. But this passage is really helpful. You're rooted and established in love. Now, I want you to be able to grasp, understand, together with all the saints, how big it is, how deep it is, how full it is. It surpasses knowledge, but I want you to know it. I think Diggory's beginning to grasp that in this chapter, to know Aslan's love, to know God's love. That's just so important. I'm thinking about this week to be living out faith, not based on this is the thing that has to happen. This is the right thing to do. This is even the best thing to do. But Jesus loves me. That's enough to stand on. That's a a joyful place to live. For some reason, it can feel easier to believe that about other people. Yes, yes. I've had a lot of moments of like looking at someone describing their uncertainty about, you know, what they should do or feeling like they're not doing well enough. And and I can just see like God's love pouring over them and like delighting in them even in that moment. That's not really happened much. Like it's really hard to picture that over myself. (laughs) What was coming to mind for you as you're describing? It's easier for other people, easier to see for other people. Yeah, it's easier to believe that other people are more worthy of love because all day long you're observing other people Mm -hmm. and you can't observe yourself quite so easily. Mm. And so all day long you're faced with the image of God and these other people and how wonderful they are and how obviously easy it is to love them Mm. because you're looking at them and you love them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, even when they're being dumb, you still can see... (laughs) 
that they can be loved <laughs> because you do. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to take a step back and see yourself the way that God sees you. Yeah. And I think Paul wants that for this church in Ephesus. The passage in Revelation just came up the other day of the letters to the churches. And the one to Ephesus was saying, you're, you're faithful, you're strong, you know good from evil, you know orthodox teaching from heresy, but you've lost your first love. Mm. And here too, it's writing, you are filled with every grace. You are rooted in incredible faith. I want you to know God's love. Mm. It's a different way of being a Christian. <laughs> The kind yeah. that's just doing it well and the kind that gets to enjoy it <laughs> because it's all about being adored. It gets down to the simple things, mm-hmm. the things that you're taught from a very young age that we can forget because it gets clouded over by deep thoughts and mm-hmm. theological concepts. But what we're taught in the very beginning is Jesus loves me, this I know. Mm-hmm. The Bible says it right there. I see that very clearly when Aslan says to Diggory, my son, my son, with that kind of love. Mm-hmm. Just complete and like a parent looking at their child. Yeah, they want things for them, but they're not loving them based on expecting them to do this or that. So how can we find this kind of love in our week ahead? Yesterday, I joined a group of people for a prayer time that they have regularly, and I pretty much sat there <laughs> and listened, and, and they're wise people who pray a lot, and I think I want to do that again because it was about love, and that's where that Revelation passage came up, and it just grounded my day pretty differently than a day would have been otherwise in God's love, in listening for it in acting based on it, and actually in loving other people more like Jesus does. So that's a practical thing. I want to wake up in time on Wednesday to join that Zoom call. (laughs) Yeah, a day started in scripture and prayer is a day that has so much more clarity for me. Honestly, it feels in some ways like, oh, this is, you know, I'm just taking this time and before I start my actual work I'm supposed to be doing for other people or whatever. But no, like what those other people need the most (laughs) is for me to have prayed before talking to them (laughs) (laughs) or else I'm not going to be very awesome. (laughs) (laughs) What about for you? I've been listening to podcasts a lot recently and obviously I think that's wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to be stopping that. (laughs) But I think I also want to purposefully choose to listen to worship music more often than I do. Mm -hmm. Anytime that I do listen to it, it's wonderful and it completely affects my day and reminds me that I'm loved and that I'm enough. Mm. But I don't often allow myself to take the time to do that. Yeah. So that's something I'd like to try this week. That's a really good one. Both of these today, I'm proud of us. They're both practical, like specific <laughs> things. It's not like I'm going to think more about this, which I sometimes do. Right. <laughs> because that's hard to, I don't know. We're just, we're pretty flesh and blood people. Yeah. <laughs> so having a practical thing that is just a means of grace. Mm-hmm. God's good at giving us practical things to suit our bodily existence. You know, sacraments yeah. and the earth. Taking off your shoes because you're on holy ground. Yep. Getting dunked under some water as baptism. (laughs) Hmm. God does love us. Yeah, he really does. Will you read to us, Katie? I will. Oh, and it's this section that we haven't talked about at all. Polly thinks she hears somebody in the woods. Oh, yeah. Perhaps it was only the wind in the trees, said Diggory presently. I'm not so sure, said Fletch. Anyway, wait, there it goes again. By Aslan, it is something. 
The horse scrambled to its feet with a great noise and a great upheaval. The children were already on theirs. Fledge trotted to and fro, sniffing and whinnying. The children tiptoed this way and that, looking behind every bush and tree. They kept on thinking they saw things, and there was one time when Polly was perfectly certain she had seen a tall, dark figure gliding quickly away in a westerly direction. But they caught nothing, and in the end, Fledge lay down again, and the children re-snuggled, if that is the right word, under his wings. They went to sleep at once. Fledge stayed awake much longer, moving his ears to and fro in the darkness, and sometimes giving a little shiver with his skin, as if a fly had lighted on him. But in the end, he too slept. This was the beginning of the comings and goings in Narnia. See you next week with Chapter 13 of The Magician's Nephew. Yesterday, yesterday I joined a peep. Oh gosh, I don't know, maybe I'm not supposed to say that. <laughs>